Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. That's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And this is Hi there. the 400th episode of the Social Pros podcast, which debuted way back in January of 2012. 400 episodes. I got to wow. tell you. Man, when, when I started this show back then with uh, Eric Boggs, who was the, the first of, uh, uh, of our co-hosts, uh, we didn't sure we were going to do four episodes, much less 400. Much less 400. Uh, and, and not only have we had uh, many fantastic friends on the microphone, including obviously Adam for the last uh, three years and Jeff Roars and Zena Weist and a bunch of other great folks, but uh, <laughs> talk about an industry that has changed a little bit <laughs> since the podcast started. We were, we were having a conversation off air and it was like, Hey, like all the stuff we talk about and, and many of the things we'll talk about in, in this 400th episode show literally didn't exist, uh, when this podcast began and, and actually like, weren't even a twinkle in their parents' eye or, or, or if you mm-hmm. say that wasn't even a twinkle in Mark, Zuck, or Mark Zuckerberg's eye uh, when this podcast started. So it's, it's amazing and, and, and gratifying. And thank you to everybody who listens to the show every week, tuning in today as well on the special live broadcast, uh, you know, to, to have a show about such an, uh, an ever-changing subject like enterprise social media and still be able to do the show uh, all these many years and 400 episodes later. Just thanks, thanks to each and every one of you who, who have ever listened to the show. Certainly those of you who listen consistently and of course uh, our fantastic sponsors. It, it means a lot, to, a lot to me and everybody at Convince and Convert and Adam as well uh, to be able to do this. So thanks a lot. I mean, we could, Jay, we could have a very meta conversation here and that not only did so many of the things from a social media standpoint that we talk about each and every week here on social pros that exist in 2012, podcasting was a pretty nascent technology in yeah, its, its own true. right. We were pretty early, yeah. Hey, before we uh, get into this episode, I want to tell you guys what we're going to do in this special anniversary episode. Uh, Adam and I are going to run down the six things that we think were most interesting and most noteworthy that we talked about this year in in the 2019 episodes, uh, the the 50 or so that we've done so far in in 2019, the things that really uh, arrested us and and stopped us in our tracks, really made us think uh, that that we learned from our guests. And just as a note, of course, every single episode of the show, going back to episode one, quite literally, you can find at socialpros.com complete transcripts of every episode, all the links that we mentioned and, and uh, all the different tidbits. And yeah, go back and go back and look at the transcript from like episode six or whatever. You're going to laugh your butt off because it is a whole, whole different world. Uh, little uh, MySpace and classmates in there, yeah. Jay? <laughs> not, not quite that, <laughs> not quite that long ago. I don't think we did a lot of MySpace talk in episode six, but, uh, but there's an awful lot of Facebook and Twitter. I can, uh, I can tell you that uh, for sure. Before we jump into uh, Adam and I's uh, big six takeaways for 2019, and this is the 400th episode celebration. Uh, just a quick acknowledgement of our fantastic sponsors, of course, uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who have been with us, not from the very beginning, but for a long, long time. We really appreciate uh, everything that they do for the show and for the marketing community at large. I want to remind you that they have a terrific ebook, which is literally written almost exactly for listeners of the show. Uh, it's called 50 Social Media Best Practices. Kind of says it all. Here's how you get it. Go to bit.ly slash tips 50 social bit.ly slash t-i-p-s five zero social would really appreciate you downloading that you're going to enjoy those resources from salesforce and also uh this week and, and it's interesting because one of the topics we've we've um, talked about more this year than ever before uh the show brought to you by our friends at linkedin marketing solutions 
you know, there's a lot of ways that you can drive awareness of your business, but LinkedIn Marketing Solutions is definitely one of the best places you can do that. Because did you know more than 62 million business decision makers are using LinkedIn regularly and you can target them in ways that frankly, you can't get at in other platforms. I love what LinkedIn Marketing Solutions allows you to do in terms of sort of rifle targeting individual folks by job title, by expertise, by location, obviously by company. There's a lot of things uh, that you can do. In fact, in a recent LinkedIn survey, they found that 71% of their audience said that they use the information that they find on LinkedIn to inform a business decision. So they're not just going there for cat videos. They're going there to find resources that they want to use in their business, which is exactly what we're trying to do in, in many cases. So what I want you to do is go to linkedin.com slash social pros, okay? LinkedIn.com slash social pros, uh, and you get a free $100 credit, $100 ad credit for free, linkedin.com slash social pros. Thanks so much uh, for their participation as well. All right, Adam, we said that we, uh, in this episode, talk about six things, three each that mm -hmm. we found over the last 50 shows, 51 shows that we thought were really interesting uh, about social. And, and uh, I'm going to bring up one that not only do I find really interesting that we talked about a lot this year, but it's something that we've actually incorporated a lot into our work at Convince and Convert as, as consultants. And it's this idea of, of getting away from random acts of social and, and really using social media as a series of shows. So a LinkedIn show an Instagram show, a Facebook show, episodic, repeatable content that you continue to execute on in that particular platform, which not only allows your content calendar to be a little bit more organized, but also gives your fans and your audience something to look forward to. They know that on a regular basis, you do this thing. This is your shtick, if you will, on that particular platform. Instead of just sort of randomly talking about news and updates and events from your company, we find that it works much, much better. Episodic social content and social media shows. Thoughts on that? I, I like the idea and I think it's a strong one. And as you said, it helps with, with the cre creation and curation of content uh, as you look at that social media and just traditional media editorial calendar. My question to you is, and, and this is in no by means me trying to get away from that because I think that is without a doubt the most strong sound strategy. So many of the guests that we've had on, especially this year, have talked about the idea of making sure that the content on each platform is tailored to that platform. I think we even talked about this idea of, of it being custom fit and custom purpose for each one. So my question back to you about that is, how do you create episodic social content when you are a brand that is on multiple channels? And do you have them kind of crisscross with the assumption that maybe some of your audience is going to cross over from Facebook to Twitter to, uh, to Instagram? Or do you kind of create three kind of parallel tracks of episodic content? Great question. It's one that we actually talk about a lot here at Convince and Convert on the strategy team. So generally what we do when we create social media shows, and this could be content shows as well, but for purposes of today's broadcast, social media uh, content, we will say that this particular show uh, is native to, to one channel, right? So it is intended for LinkedIn. It is intended for Instagram. It is intended for Snapchat. And then we will typically also broadcast that show on one other channel. 
right? We'll make some adjustments to it and, and, and also put it one other place, the place that's the most, the, the greatest overlap of the sort of Venn diagram of the audiences. And then after that, any additional kind of slosh over from channel to channel uh, has to come from the audience itself. Now I'm going to presuppose, and I feel like I'm almost interviewing you, Jay. So this is a lot of fun. I usually don't get to do this. Um, I presuppose that when we talk about this, when we talk about broadcasting, when we're talking about episodic content, that we're over-indexing probably on video and audio content. Uh, but you could certainly be episodic with your textual yeah, content. Yeah, sure. You, uh, you can. I mean, yes, you're right. But you can be episodic with insta with uh, infographics. You can be episodic with uh, IG stories. You can be episodic with quote graphics with uh, statistic graphics, you know, you can even be episodic with, with um, written content. You see this now, you look at um, somebody like Seth Godin, right? Who has an Instagram show, which is he takes a blog post essentially and breaks it up into small bits and makes an Instagram uh, carousel. Uh, so it's like four or five Instagram images that you can flip through. It's essentially a blog post, but he does it once a week on his actual Instagram page. So it's only text, uh, but he sort of turned it into a show because it only happens on the same day uh, once a week. Would that mean that you would want to also, and I'm probably leading the witness here a little bit, make sure that that storyline, if you will, is appropriate for your audience on that particular channel. And does that mean, and this may even be a nice segue to another topic that we've talked about so much this year, we oftentimes think of LinkedIn as being just around HR and employment, but we've seen now there's really kind of three pillars of great content on Instagram around marketing, around sales, and certainly around recruiting and HR and, and job opportunities and such. Does content here in 2020 have to be one of those three buckets on LinkedIn or can you cast a, li a larger episodic content uh, net? I mean, I think slightly larger than, than those three buckets. But, but, you know, if I was running um, episodic content on, you know, the best ways to prepare salmon... I don't know that LinkedIn would be the home for that show. Uh, it just feels kind of incongruent to that audience. So uh, to some degree, yes, you want to match the content to the, to the platform. Uh, but also, I, I feel like you can get a lot of mileage out of being a little bit broader maybe than what the audience expects. The same way that Instagram isn't really a business platform, mm -hmm. but you can certainly have success with business content on Instagram if you, if you do it right. So uh, yes, the answer is absolutely you need to be thoughtful about it. But, but it's, you know, don't be afraid to, to stretch the boundaries of that box uh, at least a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time of, uh, and, and, but I think the episodic social content uh, message is, is, is so true. Jay, one of the things I kind of want to talk about, and I think this is a great segue as we record this 400th episode live on Facebook using Facebook live to talk a little bit about Facebook and Instagram in 2020. Now it's got meta. Yeah, it is. <laughs> We're kind of looking into the mirror into, inside of looking inside of the mirror. If one of your top trends for 2019 is Facebook Live, I don't know. The, the world's going to eat itself. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're at the uh, corner of first and first. Uh, without a doubt, Facebook's not going anywhere. Uh, I, will, I will start the, uh, the, the com commentary with that. But Instagram's still growing like crazy. Do you believe, as, as we look past with the past 400 episodes and all the episodes of, uh, of the last year is the growth of Instagram at the misfortune of Facebook. I think we all saw that Facebook usage has kind of plateaued since 2016, especially kind of with the younger, uh, younger viewers. 
but my goodness, Instagram is continues to grow, continues to grow in new users. It continues to grow in minutes on site. Is Facebook too big to go away? I think it is. It's, it's not going to be the, the MySpace of the world. But what does 2020 mean for Instagram, in your opinion? Um, and, and what does it mean for, for Facebook? And then as we have all these emerging platforms that we'll talk about here in a little bit around TikTok and such, what do you, what do you think and what seems to be working and what doesn't seem to be working for you and Instagram here in 2020? Well, look... Facebook, the company, and Facebook newsfeed, right, are, are two very different things. Um, Facebook, the company, is doing great uh, because, despite you know a lot of the political baggage and, and other issues they have, as you said, they own Instagram and they own Messenger and they own WhatsApp and a bunch of other things, right? So, so they're they're doing uh, just fine. I think the the purchase of Instagram made it go down in technology history as one of the best buys ever, uh, as, sure. it, as it turns out, right? And at the time, that was no that was no slam dunk. I mean, they were pilloried in some corners for what they paid for Instagram, and uh, now it's one of the greatest bargains of of all time. And in fact, in some ways, as as Facebook newsfeed usage uh, continues to drop, uh, Instagram may be the life preserver that they needed now. All the data show that that Facebook newsfeed usage is going down, that people are leaving Facebook uh, for Instagram in many cases, uh, and, and, and to some degree, LinkedIn and, and other venues, but mostly for Instagram. Um, but let's not overplay that hand, right? You're talking about, last numbers I looked at, a 6%, 5% drop or something in usage for a platform that at one point, you know, was used at least occasionally by 70% of Americans. So, you know, a 5% drop is nothing to sneeze at, but, but, and yes, Instagram continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But as we talk about this today here on the 400th episode of Social Pros, Facebook is still much larger than Instagram. Uh, it, you know, it is it is not a close race, and now it someday may be a close race, but it's not right now. And again, when I say Facebook, I mean Facebook news feed, the Facebook that we all use um, primarily day to day. So, my question I have uh, for you, Adam, is 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 there a cap on Instagram's ultimate? size. So the reason Facebook uh, is so enormous is that it is the de facto social network for people who really aren't that technical or don't really love social media or computers or anything else, right? Like my mom uses Facebook. Uh, now my mom has an Instagram account, I believe. She's probably watching. She'll probably correct us in the comments. Um, but I don't think my mom's ever posted to Instagram, but I think she just mm -hmm. looks at pictures that I post there and my kids and my wife. Um, will that ever happen, right? Because to, to be, the, to be the, the biggest guy in the game, you have to be the de facto social network for my mom. And I don't know if Instagram can cross that chasm or, or even if they want to cross that chasm. I think you've hit on two interesting things. I think one is that ratio of cons consumption and content production. And without a doubt, Facebook is an easier production from, uh, from, from, from a kind of stand from, I think a, a general standpoint, I think the perception is to be on Instagram is more about that user creating content. I think the other aspect, and I, I want to come back to that in a second, but I think the second piece of this is just the longevity of Facebook, uh, with, with it having, you know, at least eight years of, of head start uh, in front of Instagram. I think that's, that's going to have uh, and continue to have that de facto-ness that, that you spoke to. But 
I think the other, the, the two pieces that are interesting to me are number one, that the perception and sometimes the reality is it's harder to create content on Instagram. And can you become the de facto when you have less people creating content than just lurking or consuming content? And number two, my perception and, uh, and I, I've and some of the advertising notes that, that I've, 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 I've seen, there seems to be less newsfeed slash IG feed advertising on Instagram than I see on my news feed uh, on Facebook. And I think they, they have found the right balance of that uh, for uh, at least for, for the, for the feed that I see on each platform. I, I would agree with that. Although I don't know if that's a reflection of, of number of advertisers. It's just how Facebook is fiddling with the dials. And if, and if news feed right. advertising uh, continues to decay, I can almost guarantee you that uh, you will see more ads of newsfeed on Instagram because the solution is not going to be they make less money. I can promise you that. Um, that's not going to be the direction they, uh, they they head ever. So so get used to ads in, uh, in your Instagram feed. Although I will tell you this, anecdotally, uh, I find uh, Instagram ads, for me, this is focus group of one, I find Instagram ads to be infinitely more useful than Facebook ads, right? I have bought a whole bunch of stuff, an embarrassing amount of stuff uh, from, from Instagram ads. And I, I've bought very few things from Facebook ads. Again, focus group of one. But for me, um, Instagram ads are like um, the postmodern infomercial, right? Like late night television. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this thing existed that just gets served up to me based on amazing targeting and Instagram. Like, where's so my credit card? Get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is... Yeah, if they were selling food dehydrators on Instagram ads, I would already have one. And, and Jay, I saw what you you did there as a shrewd podcasting professional as you segued into your next topic of the rise of four hundred episodes. Man, you learn a couple commerce. Of you've 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 gotten very good at this, my friend. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But I I, I do agree. Um, I do think, and, and I don't want to try to you know uh, dissect uh, that, but. You're, you're right. It does seem to be uh, that it's working, and the the aspect of of commerce seems to be Huge. well. And um, they've made it they've made it so easy, right? And that, this yeah. is my my second big for, for the is, consumer as well as the advertiser, right? I, I think even more so for the advertiser in some, in some circumstances, right? This this idea of Instagram direct commerce is my second big trend for this year from Social Pros here on our 400th episode uh, broadcast. Thanks again to Salesforce Marketing Cloud and LinkedIn Marketing Solutions for sponsoring uh, the show. Once they made it possible to check out without closing the app, which was um, earlier this year, earlier 2019, that that was really the game changer, right? So yeah. you can you can find a thing, click on a thing, browse the website, complete the order uh, without without leaving the Instagram app. That to me was a, a real milestone. Uh, and now what you find, and, and this is just going to be the beginning. Uh, lots of brands that exist only in an Instagram environment, right? Because you've got people who are either drop shipping goods or reselling goods or coming up with some weird thing. And then they, they promote it only through Instagram ads uh, and they have a Shopify dropship account on the back end, And the whole thing's like, boom, boom, boom. Uh, and it's, it's almost like a postmodern affiliate program right? It's, it's almost that easy, which is really, really fascinating to me. And we had on the, on the show this year, 
uh, Griffin Fall from uh, Pura Vida Bracelets, which is one of the most successful Instagram commerce companies in the world. He was on the, the podcast and uh, told us exactly the his exact system uh, for, for how to do Instagram commerce. And it was so successful, he ended up selling the company for a bunch of money uh, bunch later of money. later in the year. So I think we're just getting started on what Instagram commerce is going to be. If you're in any kind of e-com product business, uh, very much something to be looking looking forward to in 2020. I think that's such a such an exciting idea because the barrier to entry there is is, is so low, it's almost nothing. Yeah, it's it's almost like the 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 Uber Eats of of restaurants, where you have restaurant storefronts that are virtual and only on yes. Uber Eats or, no actual, or, or Grubhub no actual restaurant. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. think that's that's really interesting, and, and you're exactly right um, with 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 our previous. Now you uh, asked me a question on that topic. You asked me a question about about sort of the future of Instagram, the future of Facebook. I'm going to ask yeah. you a question because it's one of your uh, three trends for the year is is TikTok, right? Which mm-hmm. feels like it just sort of burst on the scene uh, in with with a lot of acceleration. Uh, in in next year, it'll be the 450th episode broadcast, uh, presumably. Will will we still be discussing it? Will it will it still exist? Will it be shut down by the government? Will it be bigger than ever? Will somebody buy it? What do you what, what do you think? I think so. I think TikTok is is here uh, for a while, and whether or not it gets acquired or not, I think that that Chinese piece certainly complicates that issue. The other piece that I think is interesting about TikTok, and we've we've talked about briefly on the show here, is right now it's a hundred percent organic, um, and that really enables, I think, brands to do some some very liberating types of things and almost get back to the old school uh, type social media principles that we were using back in 2012 when, Jay, you recorded the first episode of, of Social Pros. We've heard stories. We've heard more than just rumors that that will be changing that we will see an API for TikTok, that we will see advertising uh, and brand kind of flags and tags mm-hmm. on TikTok. And it will be interesting on two ways. Number one, it'll be interesting to see how TikTok handles that as a platform. And do they try to prevent some of the mistakes and missteps that the uh, social platforms before them have made? And then secondly, if this does come to fruition, will brands themselves benefit from this or will they make some of the same mistakes or mitigate the mistakes that they have made as it relates to paid content versus organic content on the other social platforms? I, I'll answer that with no and yes. I, I don't okay. feel like TikTok has a huge risk of screwing up advertising. I, I sort of feel like how advertising works in feed-driven social platforms, whether it's Instagram, IG Stories, Snap, Reddit. Um, I, you know, Obviously, there's different iterations in each platform, but I, I kind of feel like there is a way that that gets done that users can deal with today. Um, now, it, it may be a little different um, because they come from the land of, of WeChat and other apps that have a slightly different take on that, but, but I, don't, I don't think there's a huge risk in them stubbing their toe on advertising integration mm-hmm. on the question is, will brands screw it up? Of course. I mean, yes. That's the answer to that is absolutely. Yes. I mean that, you know, that, uh, how do you get fodder for a podcast like this? Um, of course, somebody's going to screw it up. Of course, there's going to be eBooks on TikTok best practices already are. Um, yes. And, 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 you know, look, we've been doing Facebook for how long and some brands still screw Facebook up. So, um, you know, of course that's, but that's the spirit of experimentation. It's okay. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there are two ways I look at TikTok. Uh, I look at TikTok at number one, are they going to do anything innovative that they can mm-hmm. do on their platform that it cannot be delivered? From an advertising standpoint, yeah. From an advertising standpoint, even from a, from a, from a user standpoint that nobody else mm-hmm. can. Or, and again, I'm exaggerating here for emphasis, is the only reason that TikTok exists is because it is that next social next social platform. So it does have a little bit of a halo effect. Mm-hmm. It's where the younger people go because quite frankly, that's not where their parents and, uh, and, right. and the older audience is. If that's its only reason for existence, that it's not Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, yeah. I think it's going to have a lot harder uh, road to hoe. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, but again, I mean, Vine was modestly popular for a while too, and has a lot of the same uh, dynamics. And and you know that was more of a suicide than a murder uh, on, on on Twitter's part. So we'll see. I mean, I think there's certainly an appetite out there for short form kind of meme driven um, content that that has. Um, a lot of music uh, angles as well. Musically is a really popular social network yeah. as well in some corners. So uh, I think that the underlying trend is is very strong. We'll see how they how they execute it over time. The third thing I want to talk about um, on on trends is this idea of dark social, and and that we have been talking about here for not the entirety of the podcast uh, lifespan, but certainly for the last six or seven years, primarily about social media as a broadcast mechanism, right? The ability to reach more people. In fact, the you know, reach, and I'm going to throw my air quotes here, reach is actually a success metric in many social platforms. And so the ability to reach many people or more people than you reached last time has, has been one of the stated goals of most social programs for a long time, regardless of channel. But I think we're going to see in 2020, and we already started to see it a little bit this year, some rethinking of that proposition that, that maybe... Uh, instead of trying to reach as many people as we can with social, um, because when you think of that way, it's really more media than it is social, that, that maybe one of the angles is to say, well, what if, we, what if we reached a smaller number of people with a more consistent personalized message? And, and what that brings to the forefront, Adam, are things like Facebook groups, which to me is the most important part of the classic Facebook experience really is groups now. Uh, So Facebook groups, and then the whole idea of dark social, which includes uh, Facebook Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, which is gaining a lot of uh, a lot of popularity in the U.S. now, after being very very popular in other parts of the world, and uh, Instagram DMs. Now, Facebook has said that they are combining in some way, shape, or form, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram DMs into some sort of Uber messaging platform. Now, that has not been launched yet, uh, but I am very curious to see uh, what becomes of that because I think that could be a true powerhouse and and could end up being one of the primary, most important platforms um, that brands and organizations use in their social efforts overall. I did, who would have thought 400 episodes ago that we would be talking about the social platforms trying to be more narrow uh, in their targeting and their audience, uh, at least for, for, for one-to-one type conversations. It's funny how we, we kind of start there with, you know, uh, AOL instant messenger and, and we're almost coming full circle here in, uh, in 2019 and in 2020. I, I think it's interesting. And, Certainly, from a social customer care standpoint, which is something that that, that I and, and Salesforce are are pretty pretty deep in, we see the importance of that. And I think we uh, we, we just recorded, it, but it's going to play here in a couple of weeks. We had uh, author and, and just great person Alan uh, Gannett on the uh, on, on the program, 
And he talked about making sure that your content has the right homeroom and that, you know, there's different content that goes on different platforms. I think the platforms are seeing that Twitter is oftentimes being used for social customer care aspects, uh, whereas the Instagram is going to be more of your emotional and, and marketing oriented content. Um, and as you said, the, 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 the WhatsApps, uh, TikToks, uh, all having different kind of primary uses or not primary use cases, but things that they see. I do believe Facebook is anxious when they look at what Apple's doing with, uh, with, with, with iMessage or, or just message now in terms of enabling brands to be able to do customer care and such within that platform. Now, that's a fairly limited platform when you look at Android versus iOS, but it's still a significant one. And I think they're realizing we're going to Rather than segment and separate out, we're going to need to make this easier on the user. So when a user wants to have an interaction with a brand, kind of more on the, uh, on the dark social side of things, they have one tool to do that with. I got to tell you, I've written about this extensively on the Social Pros blog, or the, I should say the Convince Convert blog, um, this idea that the only company that Facebook is really intimidated by is WeChat. Because WeChat has managed to successfully combine all the things that Facebook's trying to do. Newsfeed, messaging, broadcasting, and commerce, right? It is a 360-degree system for doing everything. And in Asia, WeChat is really the only app that matters. You can do... Mm -hmm. Everything you want to pay for a funeral using WeChat, boom, tap to pay for a funeral. You, you, I mean, it's it's you want to sign legal papers, boom, tap your phone, paperwork is signed. I mean, it is truly all encompassing in a way that Facebook, despite its its many tentacles into life here in North America, it just isn't. It's you know Not you can live your you, yeah you can live your life without Facebook. Um, most people wouldn't want to, but you could. Uh, in WeChat, uh, it would be really hard in, in that part of the world to to live your life without WeChat. And I think Facebook is covetous of that kind of. Um, ubiquity, and especially on the commerce side, right? Facebook has made not one, not two, but now three attempts uh, to create its own currency, its own kind of payment system, uh, because that's one of the other things that, that WeChat has. And so the, this messaging and dark social part of it is, is, a, is a big piece of that push, right? So if you can become the default, the de facto messaging platform, right? So that people don't use uh, iMessenger or Messenger on their iPhones as much, they don't frankly use email as much, uh, then now you really have constant attention. And now you can say, well, since you're already using us to communicate to everybody, why don't you also use us to pay for stuff and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that's the direction they want to go. Uh, that's why I'm so interested to see what this new messaging combination, this dark social uh, piece is, is, uh, is going to be. And I think this has such a profound impact, Jay, on our listener, the, the social pro. Uh, when we started, when you started this, this, this show uh, in 2012, 400 episodes ago, we could pretty accurately say that the majority of people who were listening to the show, majority of the people who had social in their job title were marketing or communications people. And that is certainly not the case today. And I think it is, you know, kind of personified with what you just said. If you have this one app that's doing transaction, that's doing customer care, that's doing your marketing, that may be doing reminders for a, a service appointment to get your oil changed, that may be doing all these different aspects. It means we as social professionals have to understand all of those things. We have to be more nimble. And this isn't that one proverbial fax machine that's sitting in the middle 
of the office that that everybody uses. Man, that is, that is what, such a great point. That that is one of the most astute observations I have ever heard you make. It is so smart because what it really means is that the social media professional becomes a customer experience professional. Mm-hmm. And that's a different bill of goods, man. That's a different that, that that's a different set of responsibilities. That's a different background, uh, because ultimately, as you said, when when the kind of social platforms become the transactional and the customer care platforms, you have to be thinking end to end, not just customer acquisition, not just customer advocacy, which is really where social came from, but but all the different steps of the customer journey. And I'll just say this for social pros listeners out there: uh, if you're not spending time looking into customer experience, you know, deep customer experience work. Yeah. If you're not paying attention to UX, CX, DX, customer journey mapping, um, deep persona work, that kind of research you need to, because that train is coming down the tracks uh, and the CX folks and the social media folks are going to merge eventually partially as Adam so smartly pointed out, because the technology is going to make it happen. Well, and and I don't mean to put feathers in our caps as social pros, but Jay, I can't think of many other disciplines that touch this many different departments or, or, or divisions inside of an organization. Yeah. Scary, right? Uh, It's, it's, you know, in one way it's, it's exciting and it's welcoming and it's means great job security, but in another, it means we're going to have to rethink and repivot here as we sit um, almost uh, eight years after your, your first episode of social pros we're going to have to polish up our, our job descriptions. And as you said, make sure that we are talking to all the people that are interacting with, uh, with social content, either coming in or going out. Social pros are no longer just about the content going out. It's about the content coming in and it's about things like artificial intelligence and routing and making sure that all those things get routed to the right person because, we as social pros should not be the people that are handling commerce and transactions and finance. We shouldn't be and are not the best suited people to actually answer very technical or customer related types of questions. But we have to know enough about it to route that conversation. And we have to be ultimately responsible because in the eyes of the consumer or the customer, all they know is they sent that tweet over the fence and uh, they're expecting a response. Man, as, I, as I've said a million times, both on this show and, and to clients, the customer doesn't give a shit about your org chart. They don't care. Like they don't care uh, what your department's and divisional structure is. They don't care and they shouldn't care, right? The logo is the logo is the logo. They just want it to work, right? They, they just want their box to arrive. They just want the appointment to be kept. They, you know, they, they just want it to be seamless and that's getting harder, right? It's one of the challenges we have today with technology, right? We have all this technology. And sometimes I ask myself, like, is it easier because of that technology or is it actually harder because we have to integrate all the technology? Uh, I'm not sure. The technology that is definitely easier, Salesforce, Marketing Cloud, and LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. The answer is yes for those two, uh, for our sponsors. Beyond that, I can't tell you, but those two definitely, unequivocally better. Definitely. We, we, we appreciate that, uh, Jay. And, and this is probably a good segue into the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is a larger topic, uh, but we're talking about a large topic here. And my question to you, Jay, is in your perception, how has branding changed? Uh, not just over the past year, but even since we've, we've done this. And I think social has had a big impact on this transition. If, if you think about it, marketing or branding 
10 years ago, 15 years ago was, was, was much simpler than it was today. It was about having a decent product at a fair price and basically reach plus amplification, reach plus amplification. I mean, just getting that message out there. And as long as it was a decent product at a decent price, you're going to have success. Not as true today. Uh, there, there's the emotional side of the, uh, the marketing and branding process that what a company and a brand stands for isn't sometimes more important or at least equally as important as the, uh, as the product itself. The leadership behind that brand, behind that company are, are so important. Now, my question to you, sir, is how has social had an impact on that? Has social been the tail that wags the dog in that, you know, because we're publishing so much content, because it's coming from different people, because that need to respond so quickly when we have either potential or perceived issues and crises, we're, we're right at the, uh, the forefront. I'm curious, kind of from your vantage point and Jay, having done 400 of these episodes, how do you counsel your convince and convert clients as it relates to branding today in uh, almost 2020? Well, I think one of the things that's the that's the big difference is that there are so many new ways for customers to like or dislike your brand, right? Um, Scott Stratton has this interesting premise he talks about sometimes of the brand pulse, that there is no such thing as a neutral interaction, that, that everything your brand says, everything your brand does, every way that your customers or prospective customers interact with your brand either takes that sort of imaginary EKG line, right? And brings it up a little bit because you did something they didn't, they, they liked, or brings it down a little bit because they did something that, you, you know, they don't, they don't like. And I like that premise, right? That this is this constant kind of health monitor of, of what prospects or customers think about your brand. I like that idea a lot. Today, because of social media and because of sort of omni-channel customer experience realities, there are so many other things that blip that EKG up or down, right? You know, it used to be, what were the, what were the inputs on brand? Word of mouth, uh, your proactive advertising, which is only a handful of channels, if any, uh, and and the customer's, you know, in-person experiences with your business, right? What happened when they walked in your storefront? That was the list. That was the whole list of, of brand attribute kind of pluses and minuses. Now it's it's a nearly infinite list. So the good news is you've got more, more ways than ever to surprise, delight um, your customers, exceed their expectations. The bad news, you have just as many places to disappoint them. And when you said in your previous point, Adam, this idea that that customer experience and social media are, are going to merge at some level, that's that that fits so neatly into this premise as well. That that the brand, the health of the brand, not only is not only shines through in social, you know, like you you can use social monitoring, social listening, um, uh, you know, voice of the customer, share a voice, and you can use all those kind of data points to determine how healthy is the brand. But how your brand conducts itself in social also has more than ever uh, an impact on the overall brand health, right? So it's almost looking into a mirror, which is both an exciting opportunity for brands, but also kind of scary. I did a, a webinar just last week for one of our other partners on, on social media crisis management. And I've been talking about that since before I wrote my first book, The Now Revolution in 2011. And I'm like, wow, I, I, I'm still doing the same webinar in large measure because it's still incredibly important. And perhaps more than ever in this kind of cancel culture that we're living in right now where, where brands have a tiny, tiny misstep 
man, all of a sudden social media is enraged, right? And that is, uh, I tell you what, I, I am really glad that I am not a community manager or a social pro for a major brand. I'm much happier to be on this side of the aisle uh, yeah. because it's, uh, it, it's it can a be tough. Toxic. Well, we talked about that on the show. We had Lori... Yeah. We had Lori on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and, and she was talking about this idea of kind of self-care for social media managers and social professionals and, and uh, Lori McDermott and how it's, it's just, it's a really hard job and it is, and it's getting harder. Yeah. I, I, I have so much respect for, for our listeners, for community managers. And even when I will, will go into Reddit or I will read a, you know, a, a tweet, th- tweet thread from a brand and in responding and, and, tr- and again, I often hearken. I think I even mentioned it on this, uh, on this show that I had the opportunity to sit in a, uh, in a call center, uh, a call center for a, a large telecommunications company, where they had hundreds and hundreds of, of operators. And at this time, this was still, you know, maybe five or six years ago, they were just starting to do social customer care. And I was able to, to sit down and actually kind of put on a headset and listen with a lady who was a uh, social media uh, professional uh, who was responding from a, from, a, from a customer care standpoint. She had been at this uh, telecommunications company for over 30 years and vast majority of that she'd been answering the phone. And I asked her, how, how do you like, how do you like answering social? And she says, well, two things. I love it for two reasons. Number one, I get to tell my grandkids that I tweet for a living. And number two, she said, everybody's nice to me. They, uh, they thank me. They are polite. It's a very different type of conversation than I had when people called very, very angry on the phone. The sad reality, Jay, is I think we're at a point now where that courtesy merging together saw, uh, is, is, is no longer in the social space. And, and that hurts me. And I hope and wish that, that we can have and address that because I do believe that that has an impact. Uh, it's not just what we say about a particular brand, but it's what our customers and consumers say about a particular brand. And when those conversations get toxic, it certainly makes the world of public relations an issue in crisis communication and brand management that much harder. It is a tough gig and getting tougher. And I think that's one of the things we should uh, talk about on the show next year, Adam, Mm -hmm. as we go blow past our 400th episode milestone is we should ask our guests, how long do you want to do this, man? How long do you want to be a social pro? And if that answer is less than forever, how come? I think that's mm-hmm. something that we should talk. I think I think you should dig a little deeper in this idea of like what a hard job it is. And, and, you know, we, we laugh on the podcast because it's with this amazing track record that when people are on the social pros podcast as a guest, invariably within the next six months, uh, they either change jobs uh, or are promoted. It's like, if you want a different gig, just come on the podcast and come and, on the uh, show. And, and about 80% of the time, uh, your wishes will come true. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the resume builder of being a guest on social pros. Probably not, but maybe, uh, but, but- but maybe, you know, I think we're going to start seeing people not necessarily making a jump from this company to that company or from this job to a, a higher job in their company, but just saying, you know what, I'm going to go do something different. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in, in, to, in to kind of end this particular show on a more optimistic note, I think in 2012, when you were doing the first episode and the first social pros were listening, I think most of them uh, or, or many of them probably weren't thinking you know, in terms of career aspirations, where this was, this was going to take them um, at the level that they do now. 100% of the people on the show those days were doing this job accidentally. Yeah. This was another hat that they had to, to they were out sick and somebody said, who wants to do social? Well, Adam's out today. So I guess it's going to be him. It was like that kind of thing. They were voluntold to be the social media manager. Voluntold. I like that. So I think today 
we are seeing, and even as we're, we're talking about right now, the huge career trajectories uh, that, that social media professionals, whether you're a community manager or you're like a director of VP of social or digital marketing or communications or customer service, really the sky is the limit. Uh, this is not just a one track. You, you do this, you, maybe you become CMO one day or chief customer officer or something like that. There are so many different aspirations. And I used to joke with uh, my friend and yours, uh, Scott Mani. Uh, and this was back when I was at Coke. So over 10 years ago, you know, which was the fir well, first of us that were kind of doing social media at the time that were going to come become CMO um, because we knew social had a future and it was going somewhere. Today, Jay, I think the question is, which is the first social person who's going to become CEO? It's a great question. And I'm sure that's happened in, in, uh, in, in smaller, less enterprise organizations, but it's a really important thing to think about. And as social becomes sort of a nexus for a lot of different um, business outcomes and, and, and pieces of the enterprise, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Like, yeah. can social be the springboard to, to it all? Uh, we'll see. I can't wait to, to find out as we go past 400 episodes and on to infinity episodes on the, on the social <laughs> pros podcast. Adam, thanks a lot. What a great year. Uh, really appreciate all the time and, and, uh, and care and thoughtfulness you put into the program. Well, and thank you, Jay. This is, this has been a, a, a labor of love. I have enjoyed this. I appreciate that. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to co-host the show for the, uh, for the past, uh, I guess three, almost three years. It's, uh, it's been an honor and especially to all of the guests. I've said this on the show before. I will say it again. I have learned so much from the hundreds of guests that I've had an opportunity to, uh, to speak with, as well as uh, our, our host, Jay. Um, all of you have, have given me so many great insights uh, and not just great kind of feelings and emotions and theories, but actual tactical, bit, tactical things that I could do uh, to, uh, to make my career uh, move forward. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Just a quick reminder, everybody, uh, all the episodes of Social Pros going back to January 2012, available at socialpros.com. Uh, it's holiday season. You could, uh, you, could, you could waste three weeks just listening to Social Pros episodes. That'd be good for our analytics. Go ahead and do that. Uh, that's, binge, also, that's binge listening right that there. Is binge, that's binge-worthy show. Also, a quick acknowledgement again of our sponsors, Salesforce Marketing Cloud and LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. Go to bit.ly slash tips. 50 social to get the uh, new ebook on social media best practices from Salesforce and go to linkedin.com slash social pros to save $100 on your next LinkedIn advertising campaign. On behalf of Adam Brown from Salesforce, I am Jay Baer from Convincing Convert. Big thanks to everybody for 400 wonderful episodes and we will see you next week for episode 401 of what we hope is your favorite podcast in the world. This has been Social Pros. <laughs> <laughs>